Hey, and welcome to the Kid Therapist Podcast. This is Allie. And this is Lauren. We are two licensed mental health therapists practicing in Maryland who love helping kids and families to manage and overcome their mental health struggles. Our goal of this podcast is to educate, inspire, and provide some insight into what could be going on with your kids. Here we go. Hey guys, Allie here for episode two, season two of the Kid Therapist Podcast. Today I'm talking about how to get kids to listen. Very popular topic in a, a therapist world. We hear a lot from parents, caregivers. Um, you know, how in the world do I get my kid to listen? My kid won't listen. You know, that's a very common thing that we hear. So today I'm going to give you some tips and some ways that you can encourage your kids to improve their listening skills. So here we go. Okay, so we are ready to dive into season two of the Kid Therapist podcast. Uh, Lauren and I, we've gathered a list of topics um, that we'll touch on in in each of the episodes that are a little more, you know, short, more concise um, episodes each week. And um, we also plan to have some special guests scattered throughout the season. So stay tuned for that. And those will definitely be longer episodes so we can... Um, you know, really have enough time to dive into all the information for that. Um, So one thing that Lauren and I found that was a little challenging for season one for uh, the podcast was scheduling times to record together and, you know, be able to really, you know, balance our lives with everything that we have going on and, and make sure that we were giving, you know, enough energy and time to um, you know, to commit to each of one of the, the episodes. So our solution for being able to maintain the podcast, which, which we love so much, um, was by now recording, you know, the shorter episodes separately. So sadly, you're just stuck with my voice for today. But you know what, we problem solved, this was our solution, we're always open to feedback and, and ways to better navigate this. But um you know, we found that this was the best way to do it. I know that there's some podcasts, you know, out there that, you know, they can do things more remotely or um, they just record a whole bunch of episodes in one day and then release them every week. That doesn't always um, match up with our schedule and our availability. And also, you know, we would get really tired after just recording one episode. So I can't imagine recording two, three, four or more in one day and then releasing them every week. So just kind of, you know, the ins and outs behind the scenes of how a podcast works. Um, but yeah, you'll be pretty much listening to me ramble on about, you know, getting kids to listen today. So hopefully you'll be able to listen to me. Um, but of course, we'll always take some feedback and some some other ideas of how we can navigate this, you know, little problem. But for right now, it's not a problem. And um, don't worry, you know, Lauren and I will be back in action together again once we have our special guest because we think, you know, having that cohesiveness together really, um, you know, lends well to, to that episode. So because I will be kind of rambling on for the next, I don't know, we'll see how long this episode goes for, but it definitely probably won't be more than 15 minutes. Um, I may, you know, take some little drink breaks. I might, you know, have to take my breath. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm 
pregnant right now. I'm, you know, almost six and a half months pregnant. So weirdly enough, I've noticed that makes me short of breath when I'm talking. Um, weird. So just, you know, come along for the ride with that. So as you notice from the title of the podcast episode, you know what we're talking about. We're talking about how to get kids to listen. So how in the world do we get our kids to listen to us? The adults, the all-knowing adults, right? That's us. (laughs) So I think we can all, you know, admit that we don't have all the answers. We're not all-knowing. We're not perfect. Um, But there are some specific you know, well-documented and highly researched ways to encourage listening from kids. And ultimately, I don't think it's even really an issue of kids not actually listening to the adults in their lives. I think most of the time, I, you know, I think they hear that there's voices talking at them and they can, you know, understand that there's listening that probably needs to be happening, but the actual, you know, comprehension and behaving the way that you are asking of them is where things get maybe a little lost in translation. So let's first consider times when we're trying to get kids to listen. So usually it's when we want them to do something, when we want them to stop doing something, and when we need to provide guidance, instruction, help for something, you know, those seem to be you know, I kind of narrowed it into those three categories. So listening is a skill that somewhere along the line or, or on the way into becoming adults, we learned how to do. And obviously there are people out there who are better listeners than others. We all know those people. But the first step to helping your kids, you know, get this whole listening concept down is to teach them that it's a skill. So show them how you listen to them when you know, they want to share something. So so look them in the eyes. Be attentive. Be connected to them. You know, show all those nonverbal cues that we've learned over the years. So modeling is a big, big way how kids learn how to do things. So listening is, you know, same thing as that. So by you demonstrating good listening skills toward them and towards others in your life, you know, that will help. So next step, drink break. Um, next step is connecting with your kids before correcting them. And this is a common phrase that I hear a lot in like the play therapy community and the child therapy world is the idea that connection is first meaning that you're attuned, you're attentive to your kids, you're on their level, you're in their face while also respecting their personal space and their, you know, their personal bubble. Um, and this is before you correct them or before you're telling them what to do or what not to do. So um, there's this doctor that I found. I believe he's a psychologist, um, Dr. Paul Jenkins. He's author of Pathological Positivity. He talks a lot about like some parenting strategies too. I think he even has a book about, um, you know, helping kids who have bedwetting issues. But um, I actually found him on YouTube of all places not sure how I stumbled upon that, but um, I, I really like this analogy that he used when he was kind of talking about plumbing to behavioral psychology. I know you're like probably what in the world, like these things are <laughs> definitely not related. Um, but the, the way that he talked about it was he said his father taught him that there's two rules of plumbing. So, um, you know, the first rule is that the water the water needs to run down 
hill, like, you know, kind of away. You don't want the water coming up, you know, in plumbing, which makes sense. And then the other one, which was kind of laughable, I guess, was, you know, make sure to wash your, wash your hands. Don't lick your fingers. <laughs> and I'm like, ew, gross. But, um, but the, the concepts that come with that, you know, related to plumbing and related to psychology is that you focus on what you can control. So that's the, the first thing is, you know, what you can control is, you know, in the plumbing analogy is that you wash your hands, you know, you stay clean. Um, so in this situation with your kids, you focus on what you can control, which is your own emotions, your own feelings, your own behaviors, how you're going to um, think about the next step in moving forward in whatever problem or situation you're in with your kids. So if they're not listening, you need to make sure you have your, yourself in check before you move forward. Going back to, you know, making sure the water runs down. <laughs> so accept and allow what you can control. So you know, we can't always control if the water's coming up or coming down. You know, I think that's probably people's biggest fear is when the water comes up towards them in a plumbing scenario. But, um, but same thing with kids. We can't control what they think or what they feel. You know, we, we'd like to probably be able to do that, but ultimately that's, that's up to them. So I think thinking of things in those two ways, focusing on what you can control and allowing and accepting that there are going to be things that you can control is a big piece of um, the listening component of, you know, helping kids in this category. So, so how do we kind of get to this acceptance point? So I think first, and, and this isn't always easy for everybody, but um, validating their emotions in that moment. And I think that we can really, you know, speak to a time when we felt frustrated with somebody or, you know, somebody was asking something of us that we didn't really want to do and maybe we felt frustrated um, by that. So if you're asking them to turn off the TV, you know, again, multiple times and they clearly don't want to, you know, have some empathy for how hard that must be for them in that moment. You know, you could say something like, it sounds like you're really frustrated that I'm asking you to turn off the TV. Um, you know, really connect with that emotion that they might be feeling in that moment. And that might help them to, you know, open up their ears a little bit more when they see, oh, okay, like this adult actually kind of cares about how I'm feeling, you know, in this situation. And, um, you know, depending on their age and, you know, their stage of development, you'll want to collaborate and problem solve with them about how to take that next step as much as possible. So not only are we thinking what they're feeling, maybe why are they feeling that way, and then how can we problem solve to, to move forward? So think of whatever the situation is as this like mystery that you both have to you know collaboratively solve together. So if the situation is that you've asked, say, you know, your middle schooler <laughs> for days now, you know, days and days to put away their laundry and they're just failing to do so. So Let's, you know, bring this issue to the table in a way that evolve, involves them and in, encourages them to make a choice. So you could say something like, I, you know, I noticed the laundry has been on a pile in your room for three days now. You know, how are we going to solve this problem? Like, how are we going to, you know, get it so you have a clean space and, and we know that you like that? You know, we talked about that before. So really kind of coming at them like, oh, like, hmm this is interesting. Like, what are we going to do about this here? Because um, it, it really puts the ball, you know, in their court, but ultimately it's a shared court where you guys are working together to, to solve this issue. 
Now you want to give them choices too. So with problem solving, especially with maybe the younger kids, um, two choices really seems to be the sweet spot for, you know, deciding what direction you guys are going to go next. So, you know, let's stick with the laundry example. So it looks like we have 20 minutes until we have to leave, you know, to go to the store or go somewhere. Would you like to put your laundry laundry away now or right when we get back from the store? But keep in mind, you know, you won't have any other choices or activities as an option until the laundry is complete. So here you're really, you're giving them two choices. So they can either do it right now and kind of get it out of the way or when, um, you know, you get back from your day. But the end result is still them putting the laundry away, which ultimately is the behavior that we want. So, you know, listening, yes, is the skill that we're, we're learning here, but it's ultimately kind of problem solving that really comes to, you know, get the behavior that we're looking for. So you really, you know, set that limit, say no privileges, you know, that's the boundary that you're setting. And then you're teaching them that listening, you know, involves fulfilling the needs of yourself and also others. Another drink break. I didn't realize how hard talking for 15 minutes was. Um, So next we're going to talk about, um, you know, kind of moving forward. I have parents that say, you know, okay, that sounds great, but we all know those kids that are just, con- you know, kind of chronic no's, <laughs> no responders, or they just strongly are demonstrating their own independence. Like how I, I rephrase that there. Um, so they're not being, you know, defiant or oppositional. They're just really showing like, nope, I'm kind of standing my ground on this issue here. So how are we going to handle and respond that to that? So what we don't want to happen is we don't want the connection to, to break or be detached. So connection is is a big, big, you know, point in this. Um, so we want to maintain that connection piece the whole entire time. That's really how listening begins. Like what I talked about earlier was really getting attuned and, you know, connected at, at their level. So we, we don't want that to, to be broken. Um, or else, you know, they might start to put up that wall um, or give you the response you weren't looking for. And then you kind of put up a wall or maybe get more, you know, escalated in your emotions. So so we really want to stay, you know, attuned to, to that connection piece as much as possible. And, you know, if you do this where you get more in that kind of heated emotional, you know, volcano is about to explode territory, you're kind of sending them the message, well, kind of a, f- a few messages, is that, you know, one, I can't handle you when you're, when you voice your thoughts or feelings. So if they're screaming, no, I don't want to do this, you know, this makes me mad, you know, even if they don't say this makes me mad, but clearly you can see that that's the emotion that they're experiencing, you know, you're kind of showing them like, ooh, I can't handle that right now. Um, or I don't want to connect with you. I don't prefer to connect with you when, you know, you're demonstrating those those emotions or when you're not specifically meeting my needs as a parent or um, I can't handle uncomfortable feelings, you know. So, I mean, all of that is not, you know, necessarily in your conscious awareness, but but when you step away or when you are putting up that wall and breaking that connection, it kind of shows them that. Now, I'm not saying that you can't take a break. Believe me. We all need those breaks. We all need those times where, whew, I just need a breath. I need to, 
you know, kind of step back from the situation, that's not necessarily breaking the connection. As long as you let them know kind of what you need in that moment, but you're coming back to, um, you know, to whatever the issue is, you're coming back to the situation. Um, so, you know, unfortunately I've heard one too many times where kids who end up behaving this way, where they kind of, you know, really get into quote unquote, like defiance, um, you know, they might end up in timeout, you know, to think about what they've done, which in reality doesn't really always go the way that we would hope it would go. You know, how many times have you heard a kid come out of timeout? Um, and then they come back and say, oh, you know, mom and dad, I've learned my lesson. Now I'm going to put my laundry away right now. Like, (laughs) I mean, that just rarely happens. You know, you might get your kid to do the behavior that they're want, you know, that you want them to do, but ultimately it didn't really happen in a way that is probably pleasant for, for anybody. Um, so, you know, I've encouraged so many families just to start using what's called a time in versus a time out. And this is really a big way to keep that connection, um, but also problem solving and really communicating feelings as a way to get, you know, the desired behavior. So there's, there's a lot more, um, you know, materials and information about what a time in, what it looks like online. So highly recommend looking more into that. I think it can really benefit versus having that, you know, separation of connection. Okay, next tip. You want to incorporate some playfulness. So we've mentioned this before last season and probably one or more of our episodes, but play is the child's language. This is how they communicate. This is how they express themselves best. So why not incorporate it into daily tasks to make it more interesting, to get them to listen, to stay motivated. Um, So let's say they need to pick up their toys. So let's make it a challenge or a game to see who can pick up their toys you know, the most toys in one minute. So like, let's say you as the parent, you each have your own box or container that you collect your toys in and then say, ready, go, you know, let's see who can get the most. And, you know, you're helping them with these tasks. This will, this will also continue to foster that connection piece that I emphasized. So if you are unable to help them, you know, then maybe get out a timer, you know, on your mark, get set, go one minute, see how many toys you can pick up, Give them a countdown, use a silly voice, you know, get them laughing. Kids love, you know, racing against the clock. So just kind of make it, you know, fun and playful. That could be, you know, really one way to to do that. So ultimately, the best way to get your kids to listen is by working together to problem solve whatever the skill is. So if it's tying their shoes, getting dressed, you know, putting the dishes away, doing their homework, you know, whatever the situation is that they're struggling to listen, say to them, let's problem solve in a way that we can figure this out together. And really by staying calm, keeping your own emotions regulated, you're showing them that, hey, I can handle this tough thing too. And and I know you can. And if you need a break, take it, you know, come back when you're more regulated and calm and then really help them sort through whatever it is, you know, they're, they have going on. So I hope that was helpful. Um, I'm going to, you know, plug some books here that I think are excellent and just given the titles, I think you'll see why, (laughs) you know, why they might really help with this issue. So, um, these are books that I found, you know, that I've recommended to parents that have been really helpful to encourage kids to listen more. 
So the first one is by Adele Faber and Elaine Majlis-Lish, um, How to Talk to Kids, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, and, you know, Listen So Kids Will Talk. So that's kind of a weird title, but basically How to Talk So Kids Will Listen. Um, and then teaching parents how you listen so kids will talk to you. So that's especially helpful for kind of this tween and older, you know, age group, you know, maybe not quite teenager age, but, you know, older than eight, you know, you want kids to continue to express themselves to you, feel, um, you know, open and available for that open communication for, especially for problem solving situations. So, Highly recommend this book. And then another book that kind of was a follow-up that came out after this book a few years later was How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen, A Survival Guide to Life with Children Ages 2 to 7. So this is a huge age group where I'm hearing a lot from families that they're really struggling kind of like age 3, 4, 5, you know, the the not listening. So this one I really recommend. Um, And this is by Joanna Faber and Julie King. And then also uh, one that I just love so much um, by Dr. Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, No Drama Discipline. Um, this is kind of a, a, a sequel, I guess, um, of the um, the whole brainchild um, books and workbooks that, um, that they've created. So definitely recommend that. Um, and I'll post the books to our Facebook page. So find us on there. You know, also please leave a five-star review if you're enjoying, you know, this podcast so far that really helps us. And, you know, as always, thanks for listening. Lauren and I are so excited. We're, um, we're going to another, uh, training together. You know, we went to a training last year in New Hampshire, um, with Lynn Lyons and that was amazing. Um, so we're really excited to be traveling together again to Richmond, Virginia. Um, we're going to a training on engaging the body in play therapy. So it's like a movement sensory play, um, kind of training at a a Richmond wellness center. So I'm so excited. This is, um, with Robin Goebel. Um, she's a social worker, registered play therapist, supervisor, um, heard wonderful things about her and I can't wait to be a part of this, this two day training. Um, so yeah, maybe Lauren will share some more feedback about that, um, next week. So, um, so yeah, hope you guys have a wonderful week and looking forward to more podcast episodes in the future. Thanks.